You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Welcome back, listeners. We are so excited and grateful to be breaking the silence today with Stephen Edgington. We're going to be talking about how does sharing my story about pornography help others. And I'm really excited about this because I think so often we're scared to share these sensitive and painful and even sometimes dark things about ourselves with other people because we're afraid that we'll be judged. I I think there's a lot of things that get in the way of this. And today we're going to talk with Stephen, who's recently started opening up and sharing more about his story, about what's changed for him and how it's helped other people and even how it's changed his relationship with himself. But before we jump into that, Stephen, will you introduce yourself to our listeners? I would love to. My name is Stephen Edgington. Grew up in Cache Valley, Utah, up north in Utah. And then I met a girl and she did not want to live in Logan. So she moved to Salt Lake and said, if you want to keep dating me, you have to move here too. So I've lived in Salt Lake now for a little over a year. I just working full time. And recently I started to go back to school. Eventually I want to get my degree in HR, but I started with BYU Pathways, so I'm having fun with that. Awesome. What a strong woman it sounds like your wife is. You know? Yes. <laughs> she states what's on her mind. That's awesome. We need that. Thank you so much for being here, Stephen, and sharing with us your thoughts and ideas and your story. So you have recently written an Ensign article, which was published in the October Ensign. Isn't that right? Yeah. I wrote an article, it's called Addicted, You Still Belong. And in there, I focused specifically about a drug addiction that I had to prescription medication that I struggled with for a couple years during my life. And it was really hard. The hardest part, though, was sharing it with people. And once I kind of got the ball rolling, it was it was easy. I felt good. I felt confident. But there's there's a little paragraph in there that talks about pornography. And honestly, that was the hardest part for me to share was I was fine talking about other addictions that I had in my life. I was fine telling people that I came home early from a mission, but the hardest part was saying I struggled with pornography. And once I shared this message, that's when I kind of got encouraged to do it some more. And that's why I'm here today is just because I love talking about it now. I want to keep sharing the message because I know a lot of people have similar stories that they can share. And I want to make sure that people get motivated to do this as well. I really appreciate that. You're not the first person who's told me that their pornography addiction was harder to share than like their other addictions. I used to work in alcohol and drug rehab. And so, I mean, we've talked about addiction all day and all night. 
it felt like but rarely did people want to open up about their sexual addictions and their and how that impacted them so I think that's really interesting and and that's kind of what I want to jump into first is like what maybe got in the way or like what caused those feelings of reservation or nervousness and sharing that part of your story as weird as it sounds I thought I was the only person who struggled with pornography and looking back on it now I kind of laugh at that because it's like this is a big problem But when I was on my mission and I was struggling with this pornography, I remember talking with people about it and they're like, Steven, it's okay. We want you to to stay out here, keep working. And I was just like, no, you don't understand. I struggle with pornography, I'm out. And I think that's where those reservations come from is it's a topic that's so taboo in a lot of our culture or where you're from, you just don't talk about pornography. And I think about if we talk about it more, it would make it feel like it's, it's okay to say I struggle with pornography. If I have a broken arm, I'm going to tell people, look, I have a broken arm. And if I struggle with pornography and I'm looking for someone to help me with it, I think you should be able to talk about it openly. I completely agree. That's what kept me so long within my own cocoon of shame without sharing to anybody and not getting help out of my pornography addiction when I was young, because I too thought I was the only one. This this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to break this silence so that we can get talking about it uh, among our friends so that it is becomes, we don't want to make it something, you know, that becomes pastime, like, like, Oh, everybody does it. and, And why not? It's not a big deal, but we can talk about it and share about it in a way that is conducive to meaningful connection and to actually getting help out of it without encouraging the use of pornography. I so agree that uh, once we get started to do that, for example, perhaps on your mission, you know, you would have known so many people struggle with this. This is just a weakness. I can continue putting my best foot forward and I don't need to have so much shame about this. And, And that's what I think is the key there is that Really, I think shame is so damaging and limiting for us, just if we were able to understand that we're not the only ones. One thing I really wanted to ask you, though, Stephen, was you said you got encouraged to share some more, uh, start sharing with more people after your Ensign article came out. I wanted to ask you, what really encouraged you to feel like you wanted to share more? I think it kind of goes to the reason why I didn't share at first too. The reason why I didn't share is because I shared with a few people, close friends that I had, and then some family members as well. I shared the pornography issue and they kind of, they treated me differently after that. And I felt so ashamed that I admitted that to them. So then I I didn't share it again. After the Enzyme article though, a lot of people have reached out to me And they say, Stephen, I don't have a problem with addiction to drugs like you talked about a lot, but I have an addiction to pornography. And it just was so cool because all these people who I haven't talked to in 10 years, right? I graduated high school in 2010. So it has been 10 years that I've talked to some of these people and they're reaching out to me now. And they're just saying, Stephen, we haven't talked since then. I struggle with this. I look up to you and your message means a lot to me. And after hearing one person say that, I felt pretty good. 
But then after getting all the text messages, all the messages on Facebook or Instagram, I was kind of like, okay, if these people feel the same way, not only do I want to share my story more, but I want to show to them that there is no shame in sharing your story. I think that's so beautiful. I love that because I think so often we struggle in silence and we struggle and Satan loves, I mean, I'm just going to say it how it is. I really think that Satan loves to help us to believe that we are alone in whatever we're struggling with and that no one else feels the same way as we do. I think one narrative that is that often bought into is like, I'm lonely and everyone else has friends. It's not yeah. true. There are other people in this world that are lonely, right? And if you're lonely, then there's someone else who's lonely saying the same thing to them, right? I know for me and my betrayal trauma and my experience with that, I was like no one else. I firmly believed that no one else understood what I was going through, including my siblings. Like I was like, they don't understand, which is so dumb. They went through the same thing. And they experienced very similar things. And it wasn't until we started talking about it openly that healing was able to like really happen. And we were able to be like, wow, I feel that too. And as I've started sharing my story more, I've had that same thing where I can't believe how many people have reached out and been like, I was struggling with the same thing. And I was like, why didn't we talk about this eight years ago when we were both so miserable and just putting a smiling face on? like this is like we both needed it and we were there like it's just so interesting that narrative of like no one else understands or no one else is struggling with this you're the only one can be so stifling for us and i think it's really important Stephen, that you mentioned also that what first limited your sharing was because you had 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 bad experiences in sharing and then people didn't react probably in a great way, probably maybe in some shaming ways so that you didn't want to share with anybody else because it was like, why would I share if people are just going to treat me differently or respond in a way that makes me feel worse about myself than I already do. So that makes so much sense. I'm sure so many people have experienced that, but I'm so happy to hear that with this, you know, trying again, sharing more, you're now having experiences that are changing that story. And I think that's very true for what's really happening for, for many of us. We can choose who we want to share our story with, depending on our needs, our wants, our values, and the people we're close to or who they are and for what, whatever reason we want. But if those people don't respond in a way that's conducive to our health or just helpful for us, there's no reason to continue sharing with them if they just can't handle it at this point. I know there's people out there that will always that will respond to you with kindness and compassion. And we are those people. Steven's one of those people. Reach out to Steven, reach out to us. There's always somebody out there who can respond to your story with compassion, with empathy. So I'm glad you can share both those perspectives with us. Yeah, I love that. Love that. Steven, I'm curious, as you talked about having an opiate addiction, as well as the pornography addiction, what connections were there? Were they similar? Were they completely different experiences? What was that like recovering from either of those? I think the, the similarities that come with the drug addiction, for me, uh, pain medication, and with pornography, is those are two things that, on the surface, if you were just to look at me, you wouldn't know that I was struggling with those two things. It wasn't something that people knew I was struggling with. 
with some addictions, I might have like a cigarette in my hand, you'll know that I smoke. Or I might have like a drink in my hand, you know that I drink. But with these ones, they were so personal and something that I didn't share with anyone that there were some of my closest friends and family who didn't know that I was struggling with these things. And that's what makes it so much more difficult to get help, right? Because people can't see it, can't call you out on it, can't ask you about it. Um, we, we've had uh, people on our podcast before that have shared that people who have struggled with pornography do it in such a way that they want to be discovered. Like they, they're just hoping that someone will walk into the room to see them so that they can finally talk to someone about it. That's what makes these hidden addictions so so much more hard to overcome. So thank you for sharing that perspective. Yeah. And that's exactly how I felt too. I used to drink a little bit too. And I remember one time I left a can of alcohol sitting out. So my roommate would come in and see it. And that way he would confront me about it. And I knew what I was doing when I did that. But with pornography, yeah, I wish that he could have come in and and saw me looking at pornography, but it's such a, such a personal thing. Like it's harder to get caught doing that. And so I agree. Like it is something I wish that people would have called me out on it sooner. Interesting. As, as far as the recovery goes, maybe what did you learn about yourself as you recovered from both addictions and as you are in that recovery? Honestly, I'm still recovering, meaning I don't look at pornography today and and I don't take prescription medication, but because of the choices that I made years ago, I will always be fighting this internal battle. Um, Whatever addiction that you have, you always have to have your guard up. And I think I stopped prescription medication before I stopped um, looking at pornography And prescription medication taught me that there are like withdrawals that happen when you quit something like that. And I knew that when I would see a bottle of something, something in my mind would be triggered and a habit that I had created years ago would start to go into motion. So I would see my cue and I would have to think, all right, what do I do? My brain knows that I want this reward but I would have to force myself to say no. And so that's how I was able to stop doing prescription medication. But with pornography, it's hard because you have to throw away your cell phones. You have to get rid of all of your internet. You have to never look at anything again if you truly want to throw away any temptation. And that doesn't happen. Like A lot of us need technology in order to live. So for me, I had to practice more of this self-control And knowing, okay, I know that with pills, I throw everything out. With pornography, I need to make sure that when I'm on my phone, when I'm looking at the internet, I'm around people. I'm in a public setting. So both, they're different on ways that I was able to overcome them, but the same guard up the mentality and the same recognizing the power of habit is what got me through it. I can agree that the struggle with pornography is so much more difficult because like 
the Lamanites, I believe it was in, in olden times, they, they were able to bury their weapons of war so that they would not take up arms against people, the anti-Nephi-Lehites, right? But for pornography users, we, we need to use our technology in order to survive nowadays. And so I agree that it, it is a different ballgame. That is why we really just need to reach out for all the help we can get uh, and form really good boundaries with ourselves, with our technology use to make sure that we keep ourselves safe and to really consider what we can bury away uh, when that is necessary. I really, really love this. And I think that I think that there's just some like really interesting things that we've talked about, especially in regards to sharing our stories and opening up. Do you have any tips or like advice for people who maybe want to to open up and share for the first time? Yes, I have two sides or two different answers to that question. One, we're not going to focus on the people opening up yet. I want to talk to the people who are going to be on the other side of it. The hardest thing for me is when I opened up to people and I wasn't met with the, let me listen to you, Stephen. Let me hear you out. Let me support you. Instead, I remember I was dating someone and I opened up about this. And it was the first time I had ever opened up about this to someone outside of my family. And their response was hard. They didn't want to talk to me ever again. And I'm not blaming them for this reaction. But because of that, I didn't want to share my story anymore because I felt so hurt. I opened up, I put myself out there, and then I was cut down. On the flip side of that, when I opened up to another one of my friends, they just said, oh, wow, I'm sorry to hear that. What can I do to help? So completely different responses. So that's what I'm going to answer first. If you're on the other side and you're listening, listen and be their advocate. Help them out. Because the hardest part is to open up. So if that's what you're struggling with is opening up, honestly, I would say first, open up with someone you know you can talk to. For example, like if you have a close friend who's talked about pornography with you, open up to them. They know what you're going through. Open up to the people that you know are always going to be on your side and in your corner because it takes practice to open up. I didn't just come on here today for the first time saying I struggled with pornography. This is something that I've had to slowly bring up for, I've probably struggled with pornography for 15 years. And I would say for the first 10 years, I talked with probably two or three people about it. And then with, within the last five years, I talked to five or six people, but within the last three months, I have talked to like 20, 30 people about this and now more because anyone that's listening. So I would say start with your baby steps and then just continue to grow. Let it keep spreading, keep sharing your message. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. But I, I love your perspective there because that is so important for all of us to continue to hear is that this uh, conversation is not one-sided. It is definitely two-sided. And in order for successful conversation, the receiving end definitely needs to have learned how to prepare to, to respond. And if our listeners are interested, we do have a number of blogs on our website, reach10.org, that talk about this very subject. 
for example, how to build connection when a friend discloses their struggle with pornography. Take a look there for some, some tips as well. Uh, but that is so important, Stephen, that, that we all respond to others' vulnerability and disclosing of themselves of really anything with compassion, with, with empathy, and with, with soft responses. And if you've messed up and you didn't receive it well or you didn't deliver it well, remember that there's a lot of grace in this world available to you and it's okay. And next time you can do better and be better because I, I know, I know that it can be really hard to be there to receive it. It can also be really hard and scary to open up and share. But I also know that on the other side of that hard is a lot more connection and a lot more belonging and a lot more joy and grace and and peace available. So it's worth it. And I also hope you give yourself grace through that messy, painful part. Mm -hmm. Another tip I want to add on to that, Chriselle, is that if we share our stories with others and it's not a good response back to us, we need to be careful not to shame them for, for growing up in a culture where this has been a taboo subject, where this has been, they've been cultured to respond in a negative way. So we just need to empathize with them in that regard as well. Yeah. Also remember that you don't know what they've been through, mm-hmm. right? So for me, like, and I just, uh, I have some strong feelings about this, obviously, because here I'm talking about it. But for me, like having someone tell me about their pornography experience brought back memories of a 12-year-old girl who walked in on her dad who didn't know how to handle it. And, and so I didn't know what to do other than run because that's what I did as a 12-year-old. So I didn't have the capacity to handle it differently many times until I learned how to handle it differently, if that makes sense. And so like, you don't know what the person that you're telling has been through. They don't know what you've been through. And so please just give each other some grace in this conversation. And it takes so much courage on both sides. Any other thoughts about that, Stephen? I love what you guys are talking about, about like opening up and being on the other end of it too. One other thing that I would add is no matter what your addiction is, one of the biggest challenges is feeling that you're not good enough or feeling like you're a failure. That was something that I struggled with for 15 years, maybe even longer than that. For a long time, I felt like I couldn't share my story because it showed that I was weak. So I would just say to go along with that, once you overcome the self-doubt and once you say, you know what, I'm a great human being, who struggles with this addiction. And I'm working on this. Once you're able to open up about it and recognize that that you do make mistakes, but other people are there to help you, you're able to talk about it more openly with people. And that's something that I, I wish someone would have been there 15 years ago to have said, Steven, just open up with it. It's okay. Don't doubt yourself. Man, I love that. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being willing to to share your experience with us. I feel like I, I mentioned this before. I used to want to run away and hide from these conversations, but now I mostly just feel so honored and grateful to be able to witness and be with people as they share and open up about what they've been through and what they've learned about themselves and who they are now. So thank you. Thank you for sharing this little bit of you with us. Mm -hmm. I want to say thank you too. Thank you for helping us to break this silence. And everything that you've mentioned here today just makes me feel so inspired. And like, I'm sure listeners will be inspired too. 
And I just love it. Thank you for being courageous to, to share yourself with many so that they can get help with anything. Do you have anything else that you want to say, Stephen, regarding our conversation or anything else, anything else you'd like to say to someone silently struggling with pornography? I would just say it's something that I said earlier in the podcast, but I shared my story. So if you're hearing this, share yours. You also have resources. You have people that will listen to you. So now it's your turn. Let's keep the momentum rolling. Let's, like you said, break the silence. I love that. Amen. Love this. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.